If you could have seen me a couple days ago, you would have uh, seen what kind of looks like a surfer version of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Uh, we went out this last week. Uh, we've been down at Christchurch North Bay. Yeah, yeah, Megan and Graham. Uh, down there with uh, Matthew and Don Holiday and, and the church. Just had a phenomenal time. They invited us down to come do a, a worship encounter uh, seminar conference type of a thing and just had a blast with them but we did get out on the bay did a little sailing uh, in San Francisco there and so we just don't get very much sun up here come on where is it I know I was so bummed looking at the forecast and stuff we're supposed to have some rain come again uh, but it is supposed to be like almost 70 today and tomorrow so we'll take it as it comes Take it as it comes. I, those, how many participated last year in a Passover Seder? Okay, I, I don't know about you. It, it really, it really changed my life. I, my perspective to be able to walk through that whole thing, and and we we just loved getting together with people, with our kids, and everything. It was really a family thing, uh, having everyone together. And and I would really encourage you guys to sign up for those. Andrew, did you say we have signups for those in the back? For the satyrs? Okay. That'd be great. Anybody right now just say, hey, you'd like to host one on Wednesday night? Anybody? You can think about it. Be 7 p.m. Uh, on, on Wednesday night. Uh, let's see. Also, next week being Easter, if there's a couple times a year that people go to church, it would, one of them is definitely Easter. Resurrection Sunday is a big one. And so take that opportunity, reach out to people around you in your neighborhood, different friends, people that you're connecting with at work and a great opportunity to make an invite to them. Excellent. Uh, today, Palm Sunday, Chuck was pointing out, uh, I'm really excited to get into this today. And because we are starting what is known as Passion Week. Passion not as in Jesus had this like, he was really passionate about something. Passion as in the passion of the Christ, the suffering of Jesus that he went through. I, I was just every time uh, go through these scriptures in Isaiah 53, um, 52 and 53, and just looking at how Isaiah is prophesying ahead of time and, and the intricate details. I mean, I, I was just so blown away at the things, the scriptures that that uh, Chuck was reading to us, and it always just hits home. And when you, you consider, he says in there that they, they could hardly recognize that he was even a human being because of how horribly beaten and tortured he was on our behalf. That was his love. That was his love for us his heart to do the will of the Father in spite of what he felt like. What an amazing thing for us to emulate and imitate in our own lives that in spite of what we feel, in spite of what we think, in spite of what we see, that our heart would be to follow Father in wherever he is leading us. I only do what I see my Father doing. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your word. You are the Word. We're not looking to just ink on a page, but literally you say in your Word that you are the Word of God. 
yesterday, today, and forever. Come and fill us. Change us. Transform us by Your Word today. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Well, leading up to this Passover, and uh, there's this week-long celebration celebrating the remembering the great exodus from Egypt. How many have seen Prince of Egypt, the cartoon? If you have young kids a few years ago, then you probably saw Prince of Egypt. Of course, if you were an adult, maybe like me, you liked it anyway. It was very cool. I, w- I remember going to see it in the theaters and uh, just the, like the powerful you know, portion of the burning uh, but Moses before the burning bush and just the voice of God speaking to him and just anyway just I know it's Hollywood and all that but it it opens up some gives some insights into what it could have been and but Jesus celebrated this Passover every year of his life you realize that this wasn't just something that Jews, you know, have done, but this is something that Christ has celebrated and he calls us as his followers to celebrate that as well. And that's why we put the emphasis on things like the Passover Seder, because it makes us focus in and remember what God has done. That is a constant call throughout scripture. Remember, remember, remember. And it's so easy, isn't it, in our busy lives to forget, forget, forget. Distract, distract, distract. I got things to do, do, do. He calls us to remember, remember, remember. Passover commemorates when the angel of death passed over every home that had the blood of the Passover lamb on the doorposts and the lentils. The lentil is the top portion of the door, and then the doorposts on the side. And what do those commemorate for us? Or what do those symbolize? The cross. So on the sides of the door where hands, the hands of Christ were pierced on the cross, the crown of thorns on His head. So the, the, the blood was at the top of the lentil. It was on the sides of the doorpost in the bucket of blood or the bowl of blood at the bottom representing His feet being pierced. Here, a thousands of years prior, is Jesus in full view. And fully concealed, right? Aiming, talking, proclaiming, declaring forward what He is going to do on our behalf. Jesus spent His ministry in the the three years prior to uh, Palm Sunday and uh, teaching about the kingdom of heaven, healing the sick, casting out demons, raising the dead. Uh, For the most part, he was expected to be riding into town this amazing victory general, in a sense, um, that is going to come and deliver the people of Israel from the Roman oppression that they were facing. So they were expecting this political change and transformation was going to happen that's been prophesied. It wasn't like they were in the dark. They had heard the words over and over and over again for hundreds of years. They were constantly called to remember, 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 remember. Looking forward to the Messiah coming. Let's uh, look at this story here in Luke chapter 19. And uh, Jesus rides into Jerusalem on a donkey. This is known as the triumphal entry. Uh, Luke chapter 19, verse 28. You might be thinking, wow, we skipped a lot in the Gospel of Luke. We're in our study in the Gospel of Luke, but we've been kind of bouncing around a little bit. 
but uh, we're skipping ahead just for the sake of the time and season that we're in, and then we'll go back and pick up where we have been. After telling this story, Jesus went on toward Jerusalem, walking ahead of his disciples. As they came to the towns of Bethphage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives, he sent two disciples ahead. Now, let's stop for just a moment here. We all know, because we've read the story before, most of us, that we know what's coming. We know what Christ is going to be facing. But look at these different places that he's going to. He stops in Bethany. This word means obedience. This obedient path that he is on. To obey the Father, regardless of the cost that is going to take with him. And on the Mount of Olives. What's the Mount of Olives? Just a place where olives grow? This is a place of crushing to be able to get the oil to be released. Right? So what is going to happen in the crucifixion and the resurrection? There's going to be a crushing to the point where you can't even tell that He's a human being. But what is going to be released through Him is the Holy Spirit, the oil of God in a sense is going to be released to people. Now Jesus is going to have the ability to be everywhere at one time through His Spirit. He said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. He does that through the Holy Spirit. He never, ever leaves us. Even when we feel like we're alone. Even when we feel like we've been forsaken. We're not. We're not. It is the assurance and the promise that He's given us. And so as they came to this town and then on to the Mount of Olives, he sent two disciples ahead. Go into that village over there. And as you enter it, you will see a colt tied there that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks what you're doing, just say the Lord needs it. Okay. So he's stealing stuff and just tells people, hey, God needs this. All right. So they went and found the colt, just as Jesus had said. And sure enough, as they were untying it, the owners asked them, Hey, what the heck are you doing with my colt? Okay? And the disciples simply replied, The Lord needs it. So they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their garments over it for him to ride on. Then the crowds spread out their coats on the road ahead of Jesus. And as they reached the place where the road started down from the Mount of Olives, all of his followers... All of his followers. How many here are followers? Followers of Jesus? Okay? Claim to be, all right? All of his followers began to shout and sing as they walked along, praising God for all the wonderful miracles they had seen. We do that all the time, don't we? All the wonderful things that we have seen, the faithfulness of God in our lives, and we come together and we remember. We sing songs that help us remember and recount the goodness of God to us. All of his followers began to shout and sing. They're getting their praise on. Bless the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. But some of the Pharisees among the crowd said, Teacher, rebuke your followers for saying things like that. He replied, If they keep quiet, the stones along the road would burst into cheers. But as they came closer to Jerusalem and Jesus saw the city ahead, He began to cry. I wish that even today you would find the way of peace. 
But now it is too late and peace is hidden from you. Before long, your enemies will build ramparts against your walls and encircle you and close in on you. They will crush you on the ground, to the ground and your children with you. Your enemies will not leave a single stone in place because you have rejected the opportunity God offered you. In other words, you did not recognize the hour of the visitation. You didn't know it. You weren't able to recognize it. These people here... I mean, this, this, what's been going on here, Jesus on His way to Jerusalem, knowing that He's about to become the sacrifice to cleanse humanity from their sin. By that time, there's been a great commotion in the city. I mean, people are pretty fired up. I mean, they're excited. And that's why He gets the response that He does, because they've heard the story. He just got finished healing Lazarus, raising him from the dead. People are super excited. This gives proof and evidence that this could be the guy. Zechariah 9.9 Jesus is fulfilling the prophecy about the Messiah riding on the colt. What we just read here just a moment ago when he comes into town. This was prophesied hundreds of years before Jesus would actually do this. So in biblical times, the regional custom was for kings and nobles to arrive in a procession and riding on the back of the donkey. It was a declaration of peace. Peace, I'm coming to help you. This, this donkey, this humble, humble creature, beast of burden, would be the thing that would symbolize, hey, I'm, I'm coming in peace. Jesus, the Prince of Peace, is offering peace from the tyranny of sin. Again, it's so easy to say, you know what? Hey, we declare we're free. What's challenging a lot of times is for that to translate into freedom in our actual lives. And so we see, don't we? A lot of times we recognize that there's this gap between what we actually sing, pray, declare with our words and then how we actually live. And that becomes very disillusioning at times. And we're going, this Jesus thing isn't working out for me. Where was Jesus, or where was Father God leading Jesus? Not to, you know, a two-car garage. Not to a, a life of comfort and ease. He wasn't leading them to any of these. We, and we say the words. We say, Jesus is the pattern son. He's the one. We're going to follow Him. But we leave out the part about taking up our cross daily and following Him. Recognizing, you know what? <laughs> This is all not just like sunshine and, you know, wonderful good times. But he promises in the midst of that, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. The Prince of Peace coming to offer us peace from striving to earn our acceptance from God. This is this heavy burden that the Jews have been carrying around with them for centuries and centuries. Trying to earn something from God. All the other gods around from all the other different nations around them trying to earn, stay in good standing with their gods is an endless and exhausting, toiling process. And Jesus is coming saying, I'm setting you free from all of this tyranny. 
This laying of the branches indicated this that the king or dignitary was arriving in victory. And so they got it going on in spades. I mean, they're bringing out these things. They're throwing their coats on the ground. So if Jesus, it is, just as we say here, looked here at Zechariah 9.9, where uh, this is the fulfillment of that prophecy here that Jesus is coming in on this donkey. If, if Jesus is who he says he is, which again, I'm, I'm trying to go after this morning. I believe we need to, to really hit on this, uh, this point of we say with our words. We declare, we, we come together just like these people did and they shout and, you know, like, go God and you're awesome. But then the gap between who he's called us to be and actually walking out that freedom the Prince of Peace truly living, reigning in our lives. I want to throw up some, uh, just a, a few statistics here. Because if Jesus is who He says He is, then we have some questions to answer. Not necessarily with our mouth, though that's important, but with our life. I stole some of these things from Josh McDowell. On, uh, he's a Christian apologist here. And in the Old Testament, which was written over a period of a thousand years, it contains 333 prophecies. 333 prophecies, 60 of them major prophecies. They are all fulfilled in the one person of Jesus Christ. Thousands of years... 333 prophecies, 60 major ones, like what we see in Isaiah, what we read, what Chuck read this morning. God said that His Son would be of the seed of a woman, the lineage of Shem, the descendants of Abraham through Isaac and Jacob, Judah and Jesse, the house of David. Psalm 22 prophesies that Christ would be crucified. An execution or a form of torture that wouldn't even be utilized by the Romans for another 800 years. 800 years later. Isaiah 52 and 53 prophesied that Christ would be rejected by His own people. And we're seeing here in Luke 19 that lip service or talk is pretty cheap. Isaiah 52, 53 prophesied that Christ would be rejected by His own people, received by His enemies, the Gentiles or the non-Jews. That's what He was talking about, that the rocks would cry out. That's the, the picture of the Gentiles. If they, hey, if they don't praise Me, the rocks will. Praise God, I'm a rock. I love to rock out, and uh, it's good stuff. <laughs> Maybe that's where we got rock music from. The Gentiles brought that. Micah 5.2 prophesied that Christ would be born in Bethlehem 400 years before He was even born. What's the probability of just eight of these prophecies being fulfilled in any one individual? Survey says. The probability 
of just eight of these prophecies being fulfilled in any one individual. I don't even know what that number is. I just, we, you know, we make it exponentially. Uh, we're able to break it down. One in ten to the 17th power. One in ten to the 17th power. How about 48 prophecies? 48 prophecies. One in ten to the 157th power. So one with 157 zeros. We just don't have room up there for them. So how many prophecies was, were prophesied about Christ total in the Old Testament? 333. How many major prophecies? So that's 1 to the 10 to the 157th power for only 48. If Jesus truly is the anointed one, the promised Messiah, how should this affect our lives? Well, it shouldn't only change our lives, but it should change the lives of those around us. Sue was sharing this morning, she came and just talked about, you know, God's heart for those that currently are not here, that are not part of His family, that don't know Him yet. And what we have been given that should change our lives to the degree that it overflows into other people. As Jesus rode into Jerusalem, um, there was a very different response based upon who they saw him to be. Some were looking at him and saying, Yeah, this guy's an amazing prophet, amazing teacher. I've never heard anyone talk like him. But they still didn't recognize that he was the Son of God. We see an immense, you know, as these people are are shouting, they're saying, bless the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in highest heaven. I mean, this this might as well have been a lyric from, you know, one of the number one hits uh, songs during that time. Because they're singing and they're worshiping and they're praising God for sending the Messiah. He's here. He's finally arrived. And... For someone to see Jesus for who He truly is, it's impossible to remain silent. It's impossible to remain unmoved. It's impossible to not worship. It's impossible to not worship. And I'm not talking about right here how we gather together and we sing you know, in song worship, but with our life worship responding to Him. What we say, what we sing, how we live, it exposes where our hearts are really at. What do we worship? Now, in answering that question, a lot of times how we approach that is we'll approach it from the standpoint of how I should worship is really how I am. Because we have a good intention about wanting to do that. And yes, we do have to respond in faith. But I want us to answer, um, answer that question of our worship and our focus of worship based upon where we're truly at. Where are we truly at in regards to this question that we've been asking, who do you say that I am? Not in a performance way. Not of trying to earn anything. Because if we really truly know who He is, then you can't earn anything because you have to receive the full grace, the full load of His grace and His peace and His freedom. 
Palm Sunday, the people were singing, praising. The very next week, and don't think of this as someone else, put yourself in this same position. The very next week, what were the, some of those same people who were worshiping and praising and declaring the, the Messiah has come, what were they doing? They were crucifying Him. What changed? What was it about their perspective? What did they hope for that Jesus didn't deliver on? I mean, think about it. That's a pretty serious letdown to get to the point of praising to the point of crucifying. To say the least, these, some of these people were very disappointed. I don't know, in that week, some of them didn't get healed. Maybe they felt like they had a promise from God and He didn't follow through. Yeah, they've had these promises that they've been looking at, remembering for a couple thousand years, and then, poof, he's gone. That's a serious, serious disappointment. Matthew 12, 37 through, 33 through 37, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of the heart, the life is lived. What is in our hearts? Who and what we worship or value will be lived out in our lives. It will be confessed with our mouths. Truly. When you're not around here, when we're not here, you know, around other people. Hallelujah, brother. How's it going, sister? Hey, this is great to be together. No, the really, truly... The real you. The real me. What does that look like? This question, who do you say that I am? It stays with me constantly. Are we able to recognize the time of our visitation from the Prince of Peace, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords? Praise God because... As we were singing this morning, eternal love, you keep coming. Eternal love, that's not just a thing. That's a person. He keeps coming. Faithful, faithful one. I want to look at uh, what he says. Who do you say that I am? This, what does I am mean? The, the violent response of the Jews to Jesus to crucify Him um, indicates something here that they understood exactly what Jesus was declaring when He said, I am. Who had made that type of declaration prior? And they knew who exactly who He was. Yahweh. Back in Exodus, when they're coming through, you know, God says, I am. Moses faces Him at the burning bush. So Jesus is claiming that He is the internal incarnate God. He was equating Himself with this same God who had delivered them out of Egypt 
who had told them to place blood over their doorposts and would create a picture for them of the coming Messiah. Jesus uses the same phrase, I am, in seven different declarations about himself. In all seven, he combines I am with tremendous metaphors about this saving relationship toward the world. Here they are. I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. If you're taking notes, it would be great to get down. I am the bread of life. This is who he is for us. Recognizing that He is our source in everything, in every area of life. He's our provision. He's our sustenance. I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. He came into the darkness, into our darkness, to bring light to us, to help us see. I am the door of the sheep. I am the door of the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I am the true vine. Again, if Jesus is who He says He is, then we are faced with this moral dilemma. We can either reject or receive His choosing of us. Romans 10, 9 and 10. If you what? If you confess with your... If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, then you will be... You'll be saved. Wow. Powerful, powerful words there. But many times we stop at the, at the, the first part, which is if you confess with your mouth, I'm good to go. Because the heart being the throne room of our life, there has to be a marriage between our declaration and what we actually live out. The revelation and the fellowship must go hand in hand. God, help us. Thank You for Your grace. Thank You for Your grace. The people were declaring Hosanna. As he's coming through town on this donkey, they're declaring, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. Which means save now. Save now. Jesus, I need this now. I can't wait for that because I need it now. I need you to do this for me now. I need you to come through for me in this way right now. See, we don't add Jesus to our lives. We, sele- we surrender to His claim of love on our life. God, you call the shots. Guys, I know it's difficult. It's very challenging for us to be patient, wait for God's timing in certain areas. This week celebrates... Our Savior, long-awaited, coming, who keeps coming, the Savior of the world. Palm Sunday is this occasion for reflecting on the final week of Jesus' life. It's time for us to prepare our hearts for the agony of His passion and the joy of His resurrection. The 
crowds refused to see Jesus as He truly was, placing their personal desires on Him instead. Who is Jesus for us? Who is Jesus for us? Is He someone just like a vending machine, you know, where it's just like we kick out the promises and blessings that that we hope for? Is He someone who we... We want to satisfy our wants and goals. Or is He Lord and Master who gave us His life to save us from our sins? Jesus, this Passover Lamb, would die on the cross. This is something none of us can ever do for ourselves. Nothing we can do for ourselves. We can't save ourselves. Lord, help us that we would not turn toward any other thing that would try and prop ourselves up, any self-help programs or anything. We fully turn to You. I am the bread of life. I'm the light of the world. I'm the door of the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I'm the resurrection and the life. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true vine. I'd like you to stand with me. I want to end just with this. I want to just declare Psalm 24, 7 through 10 together. Let's declare this with some serious, uh, just boldness. And but let's say this together. Declare this together. Open up ancient gates. Open up ancient doors, and let the King of Glory enter. Who is the King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord invincible in battle. Open up ancient gates. Open up ancient doors. And let the King of glory enter. Who is the King of glory? The Lord of heaven's armies. He is the King of glory. Amen. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Well, have a wonderful day today and uh, enjoy this incredible weather that we're getting for at least a short time and uh, continue to answer this question. Who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? Man, bless you.